On today's episode, we're going to revisit East vs. West, Disneyland attractions, and kind of weigh out which ones are better than the others and give them a ranking. Up next on Theme Park Sandbox. Hello, folks, and welcome to another episode of Theme Park Sandbox. My name is Aaron. My name's Drew. And we are so glad that you're here. If you're watching this video, you probably already know that by the time this video is posted, Disneyland in California is open. Yeah! Open for guests. I'm so there excited. There are people with their feet in Main Street right now. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. So, so stoked. It's been well over a year you know we haven't been able to get into the parks um i'm 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 fully vaccinated so i'm like i'm ready to go i'm ready to go back into the parks same here and although my my parks local to me have been open uh it's not been a situation that i've been super comfortable going with prior to being vaccinated and i don't know i'll also just call it solidarity to folks like you drew who don't have another park in their backyard to go to so you know <laughs> i'm right there with you feeling the pain. <laughs> I appreciate it. I really appreciate it for sure. Well, I want to bring us back to one of our earliest episodes. I think it was episode three. Yeah. We did a topic where we took park attractions that exist both in Disney World and Disneyland, and we compared them. And we ranked them in a system that uh, that we sort of workshopped together. Um, Drew, do you remember these topics? Uh, I do, yeah. So we actually based them on five different criteria and gave them a ranking between one and ten, one being not so good, ten being great. And those five things were theming, storytelling, technology, thrill, and nostalgia. So based on our numbers, we came up with a number at the end and then put them up on our scoreboard. We're going to be ranking three more rides that exist both on the East Coast and West Coast. We're going to talk about the comparisons between them, how they're similar, how they might be different, and how they stack up with the rest of the attractions that we've talked about in that previous episode. And if you haven't watched that episode, I'll link it down below. Go ahead and check that one out and then come right back. Yeah, actually, Aaron, before we move on, I actually wanted to uh, mention I was talking with some people, um, telling them that, hey, we might be revisiting this topic again. And apparently they were really, really excited. So I'm glad we did so many attractions in our first episode to kind of give them like a baseline of of like, you know, kind of what we're doing. We have a pretty good list. So uh, it'll be really fun to see how these attractions kind of, you know, weave in between or, or how they, you know, how they stack up. So, yeah, we have uh, at the top the Babe Ruth of the Disney attractions uh, leaderboard. We have Indiana Jones Adventures, of course. Yeah. And. Who's at the bottom? Let's let's see who's at the bottom right now. It looks like the Florida Space Mountain is at the bottom. Yeah, that was the one that kind of shocked us, definitely. Yes, yeah. Uh, losing out to Dinosaur by a half a point. Yeah, which was actually quite a surprise. Truly tragic. Yeah, definitely. Truly tragic, yes. Well, all right. Uh, so today's attractions will be Autopia, Peter Pan, and Splash Mountain. Yeah, super, super great rides. They've, you know, like what Aaron and I have noticed that is that a lot of these rides that are on the East Coast and the West Coast, um, you know, some of them are in completely different lands. Uh, one of them uh, from today is in a totally different land. Um, and they offer different kind of things. But uh, it's really interesting when you have the chance to do another ride again at a different park. Um, is it always better? Uh, or is it not as good as the original? So uh, the first one we should probably start out with is Autopia. Yes, and for those who uh, who have watched all of our episodes, you know that the first attraction we talked about was Autopia. And you know that Autopia is near and dear to both Drew and I. Yeah. Uh, in that episode, we were reimagining what the next generation of Autopia might be. But today, we're just going to be talking about Autopia as it sits in the parks today. So, Drew, would you like to go first and tell us about your ranking of Autopia? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so um, for Autopia, I'm starting off at Autopia at Disneyland. Um, 
the theming, uh, just to give you guys a reminder, uh, what we're talking about when we say theming and giving it a ranking is how the attraction actually fits within the land aesthetically, um, how it's, you know, how, how it is decorated, things like that. So, for example, uh, I'm pretty sure Indiana Jones got like a 10 for theming within Adventureland. So yes. that gives you kind of an idea. Um, so for Autopia's theming in Disneyland, um, I, I don't love it. Um, it, it's kind of an, an interesting spot. I, I know it is next to the monorail and the railroad. So it's kind of like almost like the transit corner, uh, of the park, but I gave it a three. I was not too stoked with, like, I was trying really hard to find different things that, you know, really made the theming great. And I, I, I just couldn't, couldn't find anything. So for me, it got a three. How about you? Yeah. I, I also think that it suffers from being a little bit bland, um, admittedly, I don't think I've walked through that queue since, um, I think I've only done fast pass for that ride. Okay. Yeah. Since it's been Honda. Uh, I definitely walked through it in the Chevron days, but, um, you know, being someone who now drives a, a full size car, uh, that's not the first ride that, that always sticks out to me. Right. <laughs> Th- that I would, that I would be happy to wait for like 45 plus minutes for, but I will always fast pass it. Definitely. I always grab one of those fast passes. So, yeah, the the theming, where it sits in the land, it is tucked kind of in an awkward corner, sandwiched between a bunch of transity things. And I guess it fits maybe on that level. But as far as it being Tomorrowland, it is not an image of tomorrow. I mean, that was our biggest problem with it, is yeah. it's really not an image of tomorrow right. at all. It's not been an image of tomorrow for like, over 50 years i'm gonna say maybe 60 years <laughs> yeah. uh and even then it was a miniaturized version of what tomorrow would be you know representing the highway system i gave it a four uh for california's version it, it it's definitely i i did give it an, an additional point over tomorrowland speedway uh which i gave a two when it comes to theming and the only reason that i gave it kind of a bump is because the cars are painted with uh, Honda colors that are super vibrant and they're actually different looking cars. So they do look a little mm-hmm. bit more, you know, I guess a little bit more new than the Tomorrowland Speedway yeah. cars, which are of the course cars are more interesting. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And they're all different. They all have different looks versus the Tomorrowland Speedway one. They all just look like the classic Autopia car. So um, I gave, I gave it a three mm-hmm. and then Tomorrowland Speedway, I, I gave it two. Yeah. I gave um, Florida also a four and um, the, the, add point that I gave it in terms of theming actually is the holiday overlay that they've recently uh, been oh. doing uh, during the Christmas time. They will actually do a whole lights display and play like Trans-Siberian Orchestra. And so you get to kind of like drive through a Christmas light uh, or holiday light neighborhood in a sense on this raceway. That's cool. It is more bland because it's like definitely a racetrack. So for mm-hmm. the rest of the year, it's just a speedway rather than like going through scenes or being like built into any of the pre-existing environment around the track. Like I think California does that pretty well. Yeah. You know, when you get near to the monorail area, it gets a little bit more wooded. Uh, you have the, like the different, like albeit very small, but there's little tiny show scenes and different little bits to say like, hey, we really did put in some work here. They do that during the Christmas season in Florida that's kind of about it but in my eyes it's like if five is average both of them are below average yeah for theming definitely definitely okay yeah, so well I gave both a four okay well let's move on to uh storytelling then so for autopia in disneyland i gave the storytelling a three um it has honda osimo <laughs> you know it has his little bird friend it's sponsored by honda but as far as storytelling, there's there's no storytelling. It's just, hey, I guess it's kind of like the, the holiday overlay. It's like, hey, look at that. It's a thing to look yeah. at. Um, and that's about it. So I gave it a three. Um, as far as Tomorrowland Speedway, I didn't know that they did like a ho- a holiday overlay. So I gave it a one. And I don't, I don't know. I feel like that might be kind of harsh now that I think about it. But Well, the overlay is not telling a story that's true it's like very various light displays in different shapes 
and playing pop music for like Christmassy pop music. So it's not exactly telling a story. It is, it's about as much telling a story as like walking down like a nicely decorated neighborhood where the whole neighborhood gets together and does like a lights display kind of like in some communal collaboration. It's not a story. I gave both a three um, for similar reasons, but at, at the at the very least, man, Chevron used to give some pre-show, even if it was just like quirky, corny jokes. Yeah. Um, and I guess the idea of like the the sort of s- implicit story of racing is there, I guess, a bit in Florida. But man, like both of these attractions are really just the point of driving. You know, and that's right. really it. it. It's not really meant to be narrative. It's not really meant to immerse you any further than that. And I I think that you and I would both agree that that's a huge missed opportunity because we've both talked extensively in episode one about how we would implement story yeah, and how we would make that more engaging and more interesting. It's true. Yeah. And but I think yeah. we did a good job of, of giving it a story and actually making it a pretty interesting attraction. Uh, definitely it's a few of my friends uh, watched the video and reached out and said like, you know, I'm mad at you cause now I want that. <laughs> so, <laughs> which is really what we're aiming for. Yeah. We're, we're aiming for hate by, uh, by uh, omission of an experience. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's really our goal, <laughs> but that's not what we're doing today. We are ranking rides. So let's move forward. What did you do for technology, Drew? <laughs> so, for technology, I mean, you're sitting in essentially a gas-powered go-kart that goes one mile yep. per hour. Um, I gave technology a two for both Autopia and Tomorrowland Speedway, so they 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 weigh the same. They they both you know are clanky, they're bumpy, they're not very mm-hmm. responsive. It's like you said, it's just about you know someone who doesn't have a license getting behind the wheel of a car and experiencing yeah. that. So, yeah, they, they both got twos for technology. I gave them both threes, and I will justify the extra point on both. Okay. That Autopia, compared to every other resort ride, has probably one of the lowest downtimes. That's true. Because they are so interchangeable. There, there's not really another ride system that is quite as interchangeable as Autopia, but it's still, like, you know... You're just driving a nice-looking lawnmower. <laughs> yeah, That's you're a... right, though. They never really do go down. Like, I mean, it, it's very rare, and it's actually, like, it, they're so reliable to the point where you kind of almost get, like, excited when your car starts to sputter. You know, like, oh, am I going to get stuck? Mm-hmm. I've never gotten stuck on this ride before. So, yeah. <laughs> That's funny. That's funny. Yeah, you don't really see, like, you don't really see the, like, um, you know, ride down, everyone gets evac off the ride, and you know, we have people come, that doesn't happen with Autopia because if one car starts showing issue, they just pull that thing out and then put something new into the circulation. Yeah. Even if you run into another person, the ride doesn't go down. <laughs> yeah. You keep on, keep on keeping on. You just keep going. Okay. That's, that's valid. Okay. So you gave them, you gave them both threes, both threes. Okay. Yeah. They're, they're not hashing any new territory, but at the very least, that's my justification of giving them the extra point over yours. Yeah, definitely. Okay. All right. So let's move on to the next uh, section, which is thrill. So kind of on theme for me with the technology part, right? Like, I mean, it is a slow moving car. Um, the only thing that's really thrilling is the fact that you get to decide when it goes and when it stops and when it turns, which could be exciting for a kid, but I wouldn't necessarily call that thrill. Um, I don't know what I'd call it actually, but I gave them both a, a two and I, I'm starting to think I've been, I'm being more harsh on this round than, <laughs> than you were harsh well, on the first it's, round. It's ironic. Yeah. Yeah. I'm being nice now. I'm being, uh, being a little bit more generous, but it's, it's <laughs> ironic to me because I know that you love Autopia. I know. But yeah. it's, it's like these things go, our rankings and our love for rides don't always connect. Right. I actually did rank this thrill a little bit higher, but it is really specifically with a kid's mindset in mind. So yeah. this has like the, I had a hard time separating nostalgia and thrill, which is interesting. I don't normally have that issue. Normally those are two oppositional ideas, right? right? So like small world, very low thrill, but very high nostalgia, mm-hmm. right? And and in this case, 
the nostalgia and the thrill had this weird like overlap. So I gave a six in California and I gave a five in Florida. Florida got a, a minus point because their track got shortened. Um, thank right. you, Tron. Right. So you had a little bit more of a, a, of a ride, you know, more time in the car in California. But I think that it really just comes down to that child's mindset. Like, I'm way too big for that darn car. So when I'm in there, like, my leg is taking up the, like, all the way into the corner to hit the my knee against the, <laughs> the passenger side wall. And then, like, coming back in and my knees are, like, are like, the other knee is up in the steering wheel. It's not a comfortable ride for me. But seeing the look on kids' faces and seeing what it's like to be... A parent, I am not a parent. Seeing what it's like to be a parent who gets to put their kid behind the wheel, I think that even has a thrill factor that's worth acknowledging. Yeah. So six, just above average, a six and a five. That's really interesting, actually, because I also gave Autopia a six, and I also gave Tomorrowland Speedway a five for nostalgia. So um, for me, you know, you can tell when the thrill, you know, starts to starts to taper off as you become an adult and you actually get to drive real cars and you see it when you're Mm -hmm. in the parks and i'll just i'll go off on a tangent for a second here but i don't know if you've ever noticed you're waiting in line to enter a car and then the you get into the car and the car in front of you is not moving and there's someone waving their arms at the attendant saying my car doesn't work and they're like it does work you just have to literally mash that throttle like you can't Mm -hmm. be an adult about it all the way down exactly and yeah. so that's when you realize like, oh man, the thrill's not as, it's not there anymore like it is as a kid. Because the first thing you do as a kid is you go in, there's no throttle modulation. You just slam that, that thing straight to the floor. Mm-hmm. So I, I tried to do that too. Like as a kid, I was thinking of myself driving for the first time. Obviously you and I are huge fans of cars. Um, it, it's something that I, I would say defines a certain part of us, definitely, uh, car and car culture. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, the nostalgia is is definitely pretty high. I think it's high as a six. Um, like you said, it's it's definitely not like a small world or like a fantasy land ride or anything like that as far as nostalgia. But um, it does when I get back into the Autopia car and I hear it and I smell it. You it does get you kind of you know transported back in time to when you were a kid. So anyway, yeah. Okay, cool, awesome. Well. Interesting. I wonder how those are going to average out. It's interesting that you brought up smell because smell is so often linked to memory. Right. And you just saying the smell of Autopia, I think everyone knows it. Everyone watching will now have that whiff in there just like for the next five seconds. Just imagine and hearing the clatter of those engines and you are just immediately transported, like teleported right into that line behind the wheel of that little dinky car. So, <laughs> I mean, there is something to be said for that. Yeah. Th- that's, that, y- you can't just imagine, um, like, what the, I don't know, astral orbiter smells like, or, like, what makes that distinctive from from Dumbo or from the magic carpets, yeah. other than just what vehicle you're sitting in. That's true. Yeah, smell, I would say... Like Indiana Jones has a distinct smell. There's a few water rides that Absolutely. give you a distinct smell yep. um, for sure. But um, yeah, okay, well, I'm glad I brought it up. Definitely. Okay, so we should move on um, to our first dark ride within Fantasyland that we're putting on this list. I'm, and I mean, we're starting, in my opinion, I think we're starting with the best. And that is Peter Pan's Flight in Fantasyland. Now, we haven't... Uh, I won't get into it. Anyway, <laughs> we should just start with theming. I'll, I'll let you start off this one, Aaron. I'll, I'll start with the California theming. I think that the California theming is quite good. I think that the way that the facades of all the, the Fantasyland dark rides have a cohesive, a cohesive idea of what they are and what they're representing, mm-hmm. and that it's not just simply the circus tent um, idea of, of however long ago that was, like pre-80s. Right. I want to say, I think it works really well. I think it works nicely. And uh, it, you walk up to that building and you, you do know what to expect. So the theming, where that thing is and how it works. I gave a seven in California. Okay. I gave an 
eight in Florida, um, mostly for the queue. Okay. I think that the exterior facade is a little worse, but I think that the interior queue is outstanding. So I gave that one an eight. Yeah, that's okay. That's really interesting because I I'm kind of with you as far as theming. Um, I gave the theming in Disneyland a seven, but I actually gave the theming in Walt Disney World a six. And the reason is because of exactly what you just said. One looks like a facade. One looks like an actual building. And so to me, I prefer that kind of like real stone, real building kind mm -hmm. of look. I, I didn't, to be honest, I didn't really think much about the queue. But now that you bring it up, the queue in Disneyland is rough. It's rough. When it's 95 degrees in Anaheim and you're, yeah. I mean, you're this close to people uh, on a hot mm -hmm. day and you're not under any shades or maybe some umbrellas. I mean, it's rough. So, um, yeah. So I gave Peter Pan at Disneyland a seven and theming a six. Next category would be storytelling. Um, I'll, I'll say this, and this is going to hint towards nostalgia a bit, but um, when I was a very young kid, I think for my third birthday, uh, my dad built a, a hooks ship in my backyard out of cardboard and uh, I had a Peter Pan themed birthday awesome. that year was also the same year that I got to go to Disneyland for the first time I got a Peter Pan hat got my name on the back of it met Peter Pan and my first ride was Peter Pan that's so, amazing I'm a Pan fan <laughs> so this is this is giving you a preview for our last category but um, I just want to say that the way that they execute the story of Peter Pan has gotten better over time. Yeah. And for that, I gave both of them an eight. I think that they do execute the story. I think it works really well. And especially for some of the big moments, especially like the reveal of, uh, of London and the sense of flight and that immersion into what it's like to be a character. I think that they really do hit the, it hit the nail on the head. Yeah. Yeah, they do a really great job on both coasts, definitely. And I, I had to like brush up. I definitely watched some videos before I made my decisions. But for storytelling, I gave Disneyland an 8. And for storytelling in Florida, I actually gave it a 9. Um, so it scored higher to me. And there's one particular scene that I was watching where you're flying out of the window. And, and they just do a better job of it in Florida where you fly out of the window over London and there's almost kind of like a forced perspective as you exit the window uh, where the building slowly uh, gets yeah. smaller and smaller and smaller until, you know, you're over the city, you know, hundreds of feet in the air, which is I think they do really well. Um, there also seem to be larger um, like props in the Florida version. Um, so I, I think it, it told the story a little bit better and more uh, cohesively visually as well. Um, but they both scored really high. I mean, an eight and a nine, that's, that's pretty good storytelling on our ranking system for sure. Yeah. 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 You bring up something interesting because we haven't done dark rides yet and dark rides fundamentally are storytelling rides mm -hmm. as opposed to a roller coaster or as opposed to some of these other rides that we've, that we've talked about. Right. Um, dark rides are all about story. So if we are ranking a dark ride low on story, it really has failed to meet um, its purpose definitely so well well done to most of these dark rides just in a general sense but peter pan really does execute on something really tremendously well definitely and um okay so for the next section technology um this is this has been interesting to watch these rides over the past decade as far as technology uh, what were your scores for disneyland and disney world i also ranked them evenly so from a I, I do like the ride vehicle system. I think I want to start there and yeah. just say, you know, not that it's new, but they used what was originally a system for like um, manufacturing, shipping, and like logistics and warehouses and turned it into like this really cool like flight system. I think that's pretty clever. And I think that it stands up as far as like the clever use of, uh, of a technology that was pre-existing and really turning it into something spectacular. So that is definitely worth bringing up. Aside from that, they have improved some of the scenes. The animatronics have gotten tremendously better. Yeah. And they've done some really great work with LEDs. 
um, to really sell the idea of stars and especially of pixie dust. So um, I think that overall, the use of technology to uplift the storytelling has been really good. Has it been groundbreaking? No. No, no, no. It hasn't. Right. But to service the ride and to make sure that the guest experience is optimized, I think that it really has done better than most. So I gave both a seven. I think it's better than average. It's not winning awards, but it's definitely better than average. Yeah, you definitely were more generous with the points than me on technology for sure. <laughs> um, you know, like you said, dark rides, you know, they're dark rides. They're not, you know, incredibly technologically advanced. Most of them are just wooden doors that are that have like electric openers you know so for peter pan and disneyland i gave it a five and for florida i gave it a four and the only thing that gave disneyland an edge over walt disney world is the use of projection um to help tell that story so um i agree with you the use of leds is really nice the lights are definitely more vibrant um they use them sparingly one of my favorite things as far as the projection mapping that really gave it that point though is the fact that they have projections coming down from the ceiling that make the water look like it's moving and waving, mm -hmm. which I think... Yeah, the ripples. Yeah, the ripples yeah. just really, really put it over the top for me. And it's it's it looks so natural to your eye that you're like, of course, that water would be moving. You know, we're, we're used to seeing mm -hmm. cool effects like that. So, yeah, five for technology in Disneyland, four for technology in Walt Disney World. Our next category is going to be Thrill. Yeah. Drew, how'd you score on Thrill? <laughs> so, not, not very high. <laughs> yeah. um, I would say that uh, it's it's kind of, I don't know, maybe I should change my, my Thrill factor for Autopia now, because if you close your eyes and just let the wheel go, it's pretty thrilling. But for Thrill at <laughs> bang, Disneyland, bang, bang. <laughs> I gave it a three, and at Walt Disney World, I gave it a two. And the only reason that Disneyland, once again, got that extra point is because there are some points in the track where the boat actually does a dip and kind of like a swooping motion. And that's pretty thrilling when you're yeah. not expecting it. You know, like that's, it, it feels, mm -hmm. you lose your stomach a little bit, which is kind of fun. So, but you know, it's a dark ride. They're not about thrill. They're about story, nostalgia, stuff like that. I think that mentally we're in the same place, but I think that our numbers come out slightly differently because this is not science. <laughs> so I put both of them as a five because I feel like this is an average amount of thrill for a dark ride. Okay. Um, I don't think that it goes above. It's not like a Rise of the Resistance. Right. Because I think that Rise of the Resistance, for it being what it is, as a technically like a dark ride, I think that that one scores very high on the scale of what it is, but it doesn't outdo something like a roller coaster necessarily on just a thrill level. So bringing it back to Peter Pan, I think that Peter Pan is right in the middle. I think that it is an average amount of thrill in both parks. I do distinctly remember those swoops being my favorite part of the ride totally. as a kid. Yeah. That that was just like, oh man, like they can do this? This is amazing. <laughs> yeah, and when you're not you know, expecting it. The ride had been it. opened for like over... Over 30 years, it's like, yeah, it can do that. <laughs> yeah, totally. Awesome. Okay, well, we should move on to our last category, which is probably the heavy hitter, uh, best for last yes. year. So what did the you give one. for nostalgia for Peter Pan's flight? For nostalgia, I gave California a 9, and I gave Florida an 8. Um, I'm going to be selfish about this one and say the only reason that California gets an extra point is it's the first Disney ride that I ever rode in my life. Okay, yeah. And, and, and that's it. It gets an extra point for that. Yeah, okay. Yeah, well, I mean, that's that's nostalgia in a, in a nutshell, basically, right? Like, what does yeah. it mean to yeah. you? Everyone's nostalgia points are going to be different. Mine are definitely different than yours. For me, nostalgia for Peter Pan in Florida and Disneyland, I think it's one of the most nostalgic rides in both parks. Um, so I gave them both 10s. I, I don't think you can get any more nostalgic. Um, I would say the only other one that could that could really compete with Peter Pan's flight would be something like the Disneyland Railroad. Um, that scores pretty yeah, high sure. as far as nostalgia points probably. But uh, yeah, I give them mm -hmm. both 10s. I mean, when you get into that line, when you get on that ride, it's and it's such a short ride. So it's pretty amazing that it can, it can score so high for me on the nostalgia rating when it's like, I mean, 40, 
50-second ride, maybe, you know? So, if you couldn't tell, I like you know, it, fine. too. I'm changing mine to a 10. <laughs> I'm changing my California to a 10, and uh, I'll, I'll give Florida a 9, just to give some balance here. <laughs> good, good. Well, it sounds like we both really like Peter Pan. I will say, when you told us your story, I definitely had a Peter Pan hat. It was one of my first hats that I ever got that was embroidered. I actually got the Peter Pan hat before I got my Mickey ears when I was a kid. I think I did as well. Yeah. 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 It's it's a pretty great ride. Like it Yeah, it's a timeless story that that thing's going to be there for absolutely ever. Totally. But speaking of rides that will not be there for absolutely forever, our next attraction yes. that we're going to be covering is Splash Mountain. So if you don't know, Splash Mountain, uh, Disney has announced that Splash Mountain is going to be rethemed in both uh, Florida and California. And I think they announced it's also going to happen in Tokyo, too. So um, I don't know if they confirmed what the theming is going to be changed to in Tokyo. But here in California and in Florida, it's going to be changed to Princess and the Frog eventually, which I'm I don't know about you, Aaron, but I'm very excited about that. Um, as much as I I'm love thrilled. Splash Mountain, I think Purchase of the Frog yeah. is going to be epic, and I think it's it's deserved a ride for way too long. <laughs> so anyway, yes. let's yes. get into Splash Mountain. We're not going to talk about Princess and the Frog yet. We don't know what it's going to be like. So all we can do is is ha- work on the Splash Mountain that we have today. Maybe for a future episode, though. That would be a fun one to... Uh to kind of like armchair engineer our way around. That would be cool. Yeah, definitely. So the theming for Splash Mountain, uh, I guess I'll start with the the one that doesn't quite hit the mark as well. Florida is in a weird spot. It's just physically in a weird location. It just sort of pops up in Frontierland, it seems like. There is no New Orleans Square. There is no Critter Country. So it does kind of like have this uh, like pimple on the face of that otherwise like totally westerned out territory so i gave that a five by contrast california really sits in a couldn't be better until perhaps the retheme and then i think they could even make it better but couldn't be better as far as where a splash mountain should go uh i gave that one an eight i think that where it sits near um near the other critters in that area in critter country the foliage that they that they've set up around it and then even just the the slatted platform the viewing platform of the dive i think that all of that works out so tremendously well yeah um i mean if i had my druthers i would say it could use a little bit more distance between it and the mansion Mm -hmm. but you know california has only so much to work with definitely definitely yeah for me um i'm pretty similar in my scores as you uh i gave theming in disneyland an eight uh and i gave walt disney world a five once again kind of the same reasons that i gave for big thunder mountain which goes with yours as well um in florida they are just they them being next to each other kind of ruins the other to be honest big thunder mountain has way more you know, it makes way more sense that it's in Frontierland. Splash Mountain has nothing to do with it. Um, so it got a five. In Disneyland, it got an eight. And same thing as you. It, it belongs in Critter Country. Um, it is far away enough for my liking from Haunted Mansion. I personally think they should maybe not have their extended queue go all the way to the exit of, of Haunted Mansion. And that would definitely help. Um Mm-hmm. but yeah the theming's great i mean it's little critters yeah i think that's what i was thinking yeah it's a very abrupt theming change yeah but the theming itself in silo is awesome it really does a great job yeah and i, I wonder what they're going to do as far as you know if they're going to do princess and the frog it's going to be a part of will it be a part of critter country will it you know will it actually be the transition zone itself into new orleans square um, like I, I'm, I'm interested to see how the Imagineers are going to do that. Is it the first time that that an attraction is going to be, you know, categorized from one land to the other? I think the only other one was like Matterhorn, right? At one point was in Tomorrowland, yeah. and now it's in Fantasyland. It's tomorrow. Mm-hmm. So um, that's right. Yeah. yeah. So maybe maybe the second time that's happened. But um, okay, cool. Yeah. 
Awesome. Next would be storytelling. This is where we get to sort of the problematic part of the source material of Splash Mountain. It's like, it's, it, it's, I guess, telling a fine story if you don't know any of the backstory. I do have a hard time separating the problematic parts of Song of the South from this, like, maybe more happy-go-lucky subset story about just these cartoon animals. And even then, I don't think that the story is that good. Like, even without the problematic elements, I don't think that the story is, like, all that compelling. Right. It seems like it's basically just a rabbit's having a good day until it's not. <laughs> and then, right, right. And then everything turns out fine. So that doesn't really make for anything that I'm going to write home about. So between the combination of the two, um, I have California at a five and Florida at a four. There is one key difference as far as storytelling goes that at least gives California like the middle to go along with the beginning and end. And that is that they have the, the section after the laughing place where things get kind of dark and scary. Right. And at least there's that like tonal change um, that's that's not in the Florida version. But yeah, uh, neither one of them really really do it for me. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I personally have not seen the movie Songs of the South, so I am literally ranking based off of just it's a you know cartoon rabbit and going through some weird journey where a fox is trying to get him. So um, for my rankings. Uh, I actually ranked backwards from you. Um, storytelling for Disneyland got a four, and storytelling for Walt Disney World got a five. And it it when I was watching, you know, the recaps of both attractions, one thing that stood out to me was the fact that the Disneyland version moves through the flumes much faster, and so you're not able to kind of soak in all of the details and the colors and the characters and the, and the songs, quite frankly, as well as you can in Walt Disney World. Um, Walt Disney World's also, I mean, just the, the set, like the props and the sets just look a little bit newer. They don't look as worn down. Um, they have like backgrounds behind instead of just shrubbery so for me it scored a little bit higher because of that but yeah the story just still doesn't really make sense um they've added a few things in florida that that do help it a little bit like uh after the big drop you go in and you see the riverboat and it says like welcome home you know um mm -hmm. Br'er I think it's Br'er Rabbit right like I don't even know the character names Br'er Rabbit you know <laughs> <laughs> yeah so anyway, it, it really is just a ride that you you ride for the splash aspect of it. You ride because it's a big log flume, right? You're not on that thing for for immersion or storytelling or anything else like that. Uh, yeah, that, that is really just kind of like it's just all surface level stuff. But what you're there for is just the effect. You know, you're there for the drop. Yeah, yeah, totally. And and speaking of like log rides and flumes and boats what did you give as far as the the ranking for technology that's i'm interested to hear what you came up with for technology i put them both at a six i think that they are just a hair above average i know that the ride systems are slightly different where we have pairs of seating all the way in florida mm -hmm. is that right yeah pairs of seating in florida and then that's the like two one 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 system in California, right? So I mean, there's like a, a minor difference there, but not one that makes a difference as far as like the execution of the ride. I do think it's cool that um, that the that there are some animatronics that are in this ride. That there are some uh, some attention some attention to detail is made in having all of these animatronics, but they're all from a, a well, not all perhaps, but a majority of them are from a pre-existing attraction. Yeah. So it's not like they were purpose-built for Splash. They were from America Sings. Yeah. So I don't know. It it works. It's enough. It's above average, but I I am not amazed by it. I don't know. I, I actually didn't research this. This just popped up in my head. I don't know how many rides had 
um, automated photo capture on a drop before Splash Mountain. That's true. Yeah. I I didn't look into it, but uh, maybe that's something that we can look into and, and add an addendum. Because that at least would be something compelling of like at the moment of like, ah, that you have, you've got a picture. <laughs> yeah, no, it's true. And at the end... I, I mean, it's so on and off, but at the end of uh, the ride, at least in Disneyland, they used to have a little owl that was holding a scroll, and it mm-hmm. would actually pop up your picture, yeah. which I thought was cool. It was awesome. Yeah. So yeah, getting to see it before you get off the ride. Yeah, we sh- we should Selling take that, that into picture before you've left. We should take that into account for sure. Um, we'll uh, we'll do some more research yeah. and find out. As far as technology for me, I rank them much lower. Um, I was trying to find you know a ton of you know, different details that would help the technology side. And I just couldn't find anything. I actually, I think it's genius that you just thought of the one where it takes your photo. Cause that is, you know, that is a technological advance for sure. And it, it definitely is something that we look forward to at every time we get off splash mountain. So, um, I, I rank them as fours on both coasts. I mean, it's a log ride. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what to tell you. It's a log ride. You just float down a little river and you do a few drops. Um, How much older is the Knott's log ride than Splash Mountain? Substantially older, I think. I, I Easily 30 years older. I think so. Right? I think so. And I would actually yeah. say we haven't done a Knott's episode yet. I think we should probably soon because they've got some pretty, like, I think their log ride is is pretty amazing. Um, it's much faster. Yeah tell you that much um much more thrilling but yeah i just can't give it more than a four even with the animatronics like you brought up a good point um the animatronics are recycled and some of them you know are aging they look kind of old to mixed effect yeah yeah that's for sure definitely definitely okay cool there's there's also the scene of of brer rabbit that's like when he's kind of like hopping and this is a newer effect and there are tons of videos out where that has gone wrong, and it is just cringe hilarious <laughs> uh, because it just looks awful. I've I've <laughs> seen a video where I think he's hopping backwards, like he's resetting. Oh, nice! <laughs> Splash Mountain also has one of my favorite meme fan pages on Instagram, which is called Empty Splash Mountain Log, and it's just literally a page of empty Splash Mountain ride vehicles going down the mountain for no reason and with no additional context or commentary. It's just empty ride vehicles. <laughs> there, it, so go give it a follow. At the beginning of <laughs> quarantine, there were definitely some uh, pretty, really terrible photoshops of like Disneyland cats and Disneyland ducks yes. being photoshopped <laughs> To empty mm-hmm. ride vehicles of Splash. Oh, if you can find some of those, I mean, they're they're pretty fantastic for sure. Okay, well, anyway, we should move on to our next category, which is thrill. So where did you rank Disneyland and Walt Disney World as far as thrill? I think they do rank high for thrill. Yeah. Um, I think that that drop is a good drop. Um, some of the other earlier drops as well are good drops. And anything where you get splashed at a mysterious level like sometimes you get soaked sometimes you get a little wet and sometimes you get lucky and you you kind of like walk off almost dry maybe except for the spot that you sit in i gave them both sevens i think that they're they're more than average thrill and certainly for what the rest of that ride brings like that's that's what you're there for you're there for that drop definitely i remember so i gave thrill for both as an eight I had to kind of like with Autopia, I had to put myself back in that, like that kid time, that moment where I decided Mm. like, I think I'm going to do that. And it's pretty thrilling. And I would actually, I'm ready. I would actually argue that the, the dry drop that's before the big drop is actually Mm -hmm. more intense than the big drop for sure. Um, it's faster. It's like a, a steep whoop and it catches you by surprise and it's completely dark. So I think the thrill is pretty high. And that's the one thing that like kids are not sure about, especially because, I mean, yeah. you haven't even gotten on the ride and it's it's thrilling just watching people going down, whether you're an adult or a kid. Yeah, the, the intimidation factor, I think, is is worth mentioning. Yeah. You know, you don't get to see Space Mountain from outside. 
you know, you got to go in to see it. Uh, but you can see Thunder Mountain flying by. You can see Splash Mountain crashing down. And I think that that does do a little bit for the getting the blood pumping, a <laughs> couple beads of sweat. Yeah. I think it does do something for you. I think it really works. Yeah, definitely. And like, not only is it you're seeing a part of the ride, you're seeing like the big part. That's the part where they take your photo. You know, those are the moments that they want to capture uh, with those cameras. So, yeah, as a kid, that thrill is really high yeah. for sure. Yeah. For sure. Okay. Well, moving on to nostalgia. nostalgia. Um, I'll go first on this one. Awesome. Um, Splash Mountain is incredibly nostalgic for me um, because of all the reasons that we just mentioned. I remember that moment where I conquered my fears and decided to go on Splash Mountain. And so for me, both of them get a six. I think they're both as nostalgic as the other. I almost wanted to give Walt Disney World an edge on that and give it a seven, but I I didn't. But the reason I would is because you get to sit next to somebody and like that creates a memory in your brain, right? Um, So for me, of course, my first time on it, I was in the front. I couldn't see anyone's reactions behind me. Yep. <laughs> you know, my sisters were just worried about me falling out. So hands were on the shoulders, keeping me down in my seat for the first time. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it definitely gets a six for uh, for both. I love that ride. I gave it an identical rank, actually. Um, yeah, And when I was ranking it, when I was taking these notes, I was remembering when you were talking about the punch card of the mountains. Yeah. And how this is a significant ride for so many kids Mm -hmm. because it is like, uh, you know, a conquering of a mountain in a metaphorical and literal way. Right. So it is an important ride for for thrill seekers in that way. And I think for that reason that you do have a lot of memories attached to that. Um, Going back to an earlier topic, it does have the smell, the Disney water smell. It does. And I think that that does trigger the memories as well of saying, oh, I do now remember all the good times I've had on this ride uh, of the big ending, of the dark, dry drop, of all those silly things happening. Oh, remember that time that animatronic was all messed up? How funny was that? (laughs) That definitely does come up uh, in a big way just in getting on the ride and immediately setting in someone else's previous puddle of water. It's just can't be replaced yeah for sure and uh, you know another thing that walt disney has for it is i think it's nostalgic regardless of whether you're the person riding the ride or the person that sat out and the reason i think that is because there's Mm -hmm. an there's an epic view of the drop so if you're someone that's like you know like i don't want to go on that or you're watching a baby or something like that with a stroller you can still see all of those moments like that big moment when your family comes down that drop versus Disneyland, you can kind of see it from an angle, but you don't really get that straight on view like you do when you're in Florida. That's true. So that, that, that could also That's give it true. some, some huge nostalgic points for sure. Cause then they get to see and be a part of that fun too. And you get to point and laugh at them as they're all soaked. And, you know, it's great. I'm glad that they're re re theming <laughs> them rather than just replacing. Cause I think, you know, if I ever have kids, I they're definitely going on Splash Mountain. We're going to have a great time. I couldn't agree more. I think that keeping the ride system and keeping that epic water ride and what that serves to guests, yeah. I think that's perfect. They need to do that. But giving it a theme that is uh, more relevant, more inclusive to people, and also just more compelling. You yeah. know, These are all just tremendous upgrades. And I, I can't imagine that any sane person would be like bummed about that change. Right. Um, yes, there's nostalgia for Splash Mountain, but it's like, you realize these are all upgrades. These are all significant upgrades. And um, yeah, I, I can't wait to see uh, what the Imagineers come up with. Totally. And I mean, so far, everything that they've made changes to has come out better. Um, you know, I'm all for just letting them tell their story because, you know, they're never going to make anything worse, in my opinion. It's shown here with our with our storytelling um, scores. They're not very high. So this was uh, the perfect time. This is a great attraction to, to re-theme, and I'm so excited to see what they come up with. Well, it's an exciting time because I've tabulated our scores. Okay. So for those who have been following along, uh, we had some some wide discrepancies here between our ranks 
So I'm just going to read. Um, I'm going to read off our scores here as they came through. All right. So for the first attraction, which was California's Autopia, our rank was a twenty. Okay. That was our average rank. I ranked it a twenty-four, and you a sixteen. So we're at a twenty. The Walt Disney World version, the Tomorrowland Speedway, an average score of a 17.5. Okay. Moving on to Peter Pan. In California, we have an average score of a 34.5. That was a 36 from me and a 33 from you. And uh, Disney World's right behind it at a 33.5, so only one point below. That seems fair. That seems right. Yeah. Um, Moving now to Splash Mountain. Splash Mountain in California. California's version got a 30.5 average score. That was a 32 from me and a 29 from you. And in Magic Kingdom, we have a 28 and a 27. That was our closest point ranking. Yeah. So the average score comes to a 27.5. Now, I'm going to uh, arrange all of the final tabulations with the previous episode's scores but i do just want to call attention to peter pan at a 34.5 now taking place of thunder mountain in disneyland taking fourth place wow now another interesting point is disney world's peter pan is tied with disneyland's thunder mountain at a 33.5 so there is now a tie for fifth place so there's like one, two, three, four, five, five. Okay. Wow. So pretty cool stuff. I'm getting excited seeing these scores uh, expanding and seeing as we get to get to expand our rankings and get to see how these attractions shake out. And I, I think as we mentioned earlier on, it's so interesting to me to see how the numerical ranking doesn't always reflect our love for the ride. It's true. And... Some sometimes it's in a, a favorable way, and sometimes it's in the unfavorable way. But either way, it's it's quite interesting to see. Definitely, definitely. Well, with that, guys, thank you so much for joining us on this episode of Theme Park Sandbox. We really, really love that you guys are enjoying the videos. Um, and speaking of that, make sure to leave a like and a comment. We want to know what your scores would be like because, I mean, Aaron and I are just two people. We would love to hear a whole group of people's uh, opinions on the rides that we covered today. It seems like Indiana Jones is you know, still holding itself up as top dog as far as our scores go. But, Strong at the top. <laughs> but your Doesn't guys look like anyone's going to touch Indy. Right. But your guys' scores might be totally different. So leave us a comment. Remember, you can also listen to us on the go, anywhere that you can listen to podcasts. And then also check us out uh, on Instagram, at Theme Park Sandbox. Uh, we post a lot of the photos and the videos, and uh, we like to bring the discussions over to there as well, um, just to give you guys you know, an update of what we're doing during the, during the week too. So anyway, once again, thank you so much for joining, and we'll see you guys next time. Bye.